Well, thank you very much. You are listening to The Jazz Focus here on WETF South Bend, Indiana, The Jazz Station. My name is John Clark, and uh, happy to be bringing you some jazz today. We are today going to be featuring the music of J.J. Johnson, the great trombone player, bebop trombone player. And uh, the things that we're going to be listening to today are sessions that he made under his own name in the late 1940s. These were the first times he recorded under his own name, and he surrounded himself with a lot of young bebop musicians and uh, musicians who would go on to fame in the next style or two after bebop. So some very interesting uh, musical compatriots here. So Johnson was born 1924 in Indianapolis. He started playing piano, but he switched over to trombone when he was a teenager, and uh, by the time he was a late teenager, he was playing in territory bands in the Indiana area, Snookum Russell and a few others. He uh, made the leap to national prominence by playing with uh, Benny Carter's great big band in 1942. So 18 years old, he was playing with him. He started recording with him, made a uh, solo uh, on a, on the Cole Porter tune, Love for Sale, and uh, was giving notice that he was an exceptionally gifted trombone player. He was kind of under the spell of Lester Young and some of the other uh, swing players, not just trombones, but saxophones as well. He stayed with Benny Carter for two or three years. He was also featured on some of the early jazz at the Philharmonic concerts out on the West Coast that were produced by Norman Granz, and he started kind of feeling his way into bebop at this point. He had uh, met and befriended Fats Navarro, the great bebop trumpet player, and uh, he was introduced to some of those new sounds probably by Navarro, and uh, he kept his ears open. He uh, joined the Count Basie band for about a year in 1945 and uh, had a couple of his compositions and arrangements recorded by Basie as well as taking some solos. And uh, he also was recognized by the bebop players as really the first young musician to play bebop on trombone. Much more fast-paced and, and fleet music than swing had been, and really the only trombone player from the swing era who uh, attempted bebop and successfully attempted it, I guess we'd have to say, was Trummy Young, the great trombone player from the Jimmy Lunsford Band, who later went with Louis Armstrong. He was featured on a number of early bebop recordings with Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, and he had the technique to do that. He wasn't really a bebop player. He was a swing player who had a very evolved style, but J.J. Johnson was really a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool bebop player. His technique was extraordinary. His slide technique and his articulation was so crisp and so clean that uh, people who hadn't seen him play but heard him play on records assumed he was playing valve trombone because you could articulate and move around a lot faster with a valved instrument than you can with a slide one. At least that was the perception until J.J. Johnson hit the scene. Charlie Parker was an early fan of J.J. Johnson and used him on one of his recording dates for Dial Records out on the West Coast in 1947, featuring him quite extensively uh, on some of his tunes and some ballads as well. Um, Johnson uh, returned to uh, New York or came to New York City shortly thereafter and started making recordings with a lot of different groups. He uh, was the music director on a Babs Gonzalez recording date. He did the arrangements and... Uh, that particular recording date also featured a young saxophone player making his first recording date. Uh, his name was Sonny Rollins, and we're going to hear Sonny Rollins coming up. In fact, we just did hear him. The first recording, uh, two recordings that we heard today were from a May 26, 1949 date for Prestige Records, and it was J.J. Uh, Johnson and his orchestra, I think that's how it was billed. And the uh, personnel on there was Kenny Dorham on trumpet, 
J.J. Johnson on trombone, Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone, John Lewis on piano, Leonard Gaskin on bass, and Max Roach on drums, all very young musicians at the time. We heard two tunes that were composed and arranged by Johnson. The first one was called Fox Hunt, which of course featured him, but also some very fancy uh, trumpet playing by Kenny Dorham. wonderful bebop player as well, and some some uh, fine piano by John Lewis. Then we heard Opus 5, Opus V, Roman numeral 5, um, that was a little bit uh, more jazz-oriented, again featuring great solos from the two brass players, and also a short solo from John Lewis and our introduction to Sonny Rollins, who did not participate on Fox Hunt. He played tenor saxophone on that. And Johnson and Rollins were apparently... Uh, running buddies, or musical running buddies at the time, uh, because they appeared on several recording sessions together. So we're going to uh, hear one more tune from that session. I'm not going to play everything from every session necessarily uh, this time around, just the ones that I think feature Johnson and uh, really give you an idea of his musical abilities as a player and a composer and an arranger. This next tune was not composed or arranged by him. It was, in fact, done by John Lewis, the piano player. Uh, Of course, John Lewis we know from uh, his later and very long association with the... um, modern jazz quartet, where he exercised some remarkable composition, uh, compositional abilities as well as playing abilities. Uh, this tune, composed presumably right about 1949 when it was recorded, was called Elise, E-L-Y-S-E-E, and uh, features all of the uh, musicians, and also has a, a very beboppy Charlie Parker-like solo by Sonny Rollins. This was before he had really asserted his individuality. As I said, this was like his second or third recording date, and uh, he was really doing a a tenor sax version of Charlie Parker's phrasing at this point, and we'll hear some more of that coming up. So Elise is the one we're going to hear next. Then we're going to jump over to another session, actually one that was made only about a week or so earlier than that with a similar personnel. This is from May 11th of 1949, I guess about two weeks earlier, and this was done for the Savoy label. So we're going to hear J.J. Johnson and Sonny Rollins and John Lewis again, but this time with Gene Ramey on bass and Shadow Wilson on drums. And the tunes we're going to hear are a nice little ballad performance that I think was arranged by Johnson of Don't Blame Me, followed by a Sonny Rollins tune called Audubon, and then another Sonny Rollins tune called Goof Square. And these uh, tunes, I think we can hear the, the, the early genesis of Sonny Rollins playing as well as the uh, more mature playing by Uh, J.J. Johnson, and uh, the style that Rollins was playing in was referred to as motivic improvisation by Gunther Schuller many years later, and uh, I think we can hear that, that he's evolving a lot of his solos from very limited melodic uh, cells, and that's not a criticism, that's the way he was doing it, and they just sort of spun out and evolved from these little melodic uh, uh, snippets that he was playing initially. So, let's hear these four tunes, all of which feature J.J. Johnson and Sonny Rollins and John Lewis. Elise, Don't Blame Me, Audubon, and Goose Square. Thank you. 
three tunes come from a May 11th, 1949 Savoy date. Of course, Savoy was that small record label we've talked about in this program before that uh, came into uh, existence about 1944 and uh, rose out of the ashes of the first uh, American Federation of Musicians recording band where union musicians weren't allowed to record for companies until they came to an agreement with the union about uh, money and royalties and so forth. And uh, the smaller companies that sort of started being put together at the time came to earlier agreements so they were able to start making and issuing recordings without the competition of the larger labels. And Savoy initially was a swing uh, and somewhat Dixieland and blues label. Later on it uh, went into rhythm and blues but by at this point, 1949, certainly even before that, 47, 48 with Charlie Parker, it was known as a bebop label. A lot of the earliest bebop sessions were on Savoy, some really outstanding sessions and some crossover sessions between swing and bebop. We may do a, do a little uh, program on some of those uh, tunes and some of those sessions a little bit later. So we started out, actually, with a tune that was from Prestige. We talked about that, our first recording date from a couple of weeks later, May 26th of 1949. J.J. Johnson on trombone, leading the band that included Sonny Rollins on tenor, Kenny Durham on trumpet, John Lewis on piano, Leonard Gaskin on bass, and Max Roach on drums. That tune was called Elise, and it was a composition and an arrangement by John Lewis. Now, all of these other compositions and arrangements we're hearing by Sonny Rollins and J.J. Johnson are, of course, very uh, effective, and the J.J. Johnson ones are showing, uh, will be showing, you know, glimmers of things to come when he became primarily a composer later in life. But John Lewis was a real composer, even at this stage of the game. He was, um, at this time, engaged in doing arrangements for the Miles Davis Nonette, which became the birth of the Cool Sides, and uh, the arrangement of this composition, Elise, really shows a, a compositional uh, outlook that uh, was well beyond just a, a blowing session and, 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 a, and a jazz date. He had a melody that he was handing off between the three horns, and when one, when two of the horns were not playing the melody, they were playing backgrounds or counter melodies in some cases. So it was a very complicated uh, uh, structure and almost like a big band arrangement with just three horns. Very interesting piece nonetheless. Then we went on to what was much more of a blowing session from, uh, let's see, May 11th of 1949, as I said, J.J. Johnson, Sonny Rollins, and John Lewis again, with Gene Ramey on bass and Shadow Wilson on drums. And we started out with Don't Blame Me, the standard tune by Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh, featuring J.J. Johnson primarily all the way through. Wouldn't be surprised if he had did the uh, horn arrangements in there as well. Then we went to two Sonny Rollins tunes, Audubon 
and Goof Square. Audubon is an AABA type of tune, and Goof Square is a blues. They both show off Sonny Rollins here at his, the beginning stage of his career and uh, really showing how impressed he was, as were so many other players from that period, uh, of um, Charlie Parker and how much the Charlie Parker influence uh, permeated even tenor saxophone players. We're going to hear a baritone sax player coming up. Um, all of it was really going right back to the source of Charlie Parker. And it wasn't until the 50s that most of these players began to emerge and find their own way and their own feet a little bit more. So we're going to hear one more tune from that session in our next little set. I said we weren't going to play complete sessions, but I am going to play that complete session because it was so good. This one is an unattributed tune called B-J, B-E-E-J-A-Y is how it is spelled in my liner notes, so hopefully that's what it is. And that will feature again Sonny Rollins and J.J. Um, Johnson, along with a very nice solo by John Lewis. Then we're going to do two tunes from uh, Johnson's first date as a leader. Again, for Savoy, this goes back to June of 1946. So three years, two years, and however many months before the sessions we just uh, listened to. This is interesting. It's uh, called J.J. Johnson's Beboppers. Uh, this was when the Savoy label was really just getting started with Bebop. Uh, I think this even predates some of the, uh, the uh, main Charlie Parker uh Bebop sessions for Savoy. He had been recording for Dialmore before that. So to call a band the Beboppers was really announcing yourself as something. So we're going to hear J.J. Johnson on trombone, Bud Powell, the great pianist, uh, here really at the peak of his career, I think, uh, or at the peak of his powers before mental illness uh, uh, cut into his abilities and you know he moved to France. But here he was really at the top of his game. We're going to hear Leonard Gaskin again on bass and Max Roach on drums. And of course, Max Roach was really the drummer of choice for these bebop uh, sessions if Kenny Clark wasn't available um, and even if he were uh, Max Roach was called on for a lot of these he was playing with the Dizzy Gillespie big band at the time on saxophone alto sax in this case we have Cecil Payne a very young musician who was I believe making his first recording date here Cecil Payne is much better known as a baritone sax player he was playing baritone with the Dizzy Gillespie band a little bit later and made the permanent switch to that horn even for solos. But here he was still playing alto and we will definitely hear the Charlie Parker influence on these sides. We're going to hear two things from this session. Uh, Jay Bird and Mad Bebop. I'll tell you a little bit more about those when we get, uh, get, out, get to the end of uh, this little set. And then we're going to hear two more tunes, or excuse me, one more tune after that. We're going to go to the final session we're going to talk about today. This is J.J. Uh, Johnson's Bebop Quintet, or Bop Quintet, I guess. This is from December 24th, Christmas Eve of 1947, and the notes point out that there was supposed to be another recording band going into effect on January 1st, 1948, so Savoy and most of the other recording labels uh, in New York were rushing to get stockpiles of recordings done, and this was one, obviously, that was shoehorned in on Christmas Eve. J.J. Johnson, Hank Jones on piano, Al Lucas on bass, and Shadow Wilson on drums. This saxophone player here will be an actual baritone sax, and it is Leo Parker. Leo Parker was nicknamed the Mad Lad uh, and led some good bebop uh, recordings in his day and also some rhythm and blues. We'll talk about him a little bit more too a little bit later. The tune we're going to hear from that session is called Down Vernon's Alley. That's a tribute to a DJ, Vernon Alley, who was also a bass player who had recorded with Lionel Hampton among others. So those are our four tunes for this set. BJ, J Bird, Mad Bebop, and Down Vernon's Alley. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that was Down Vernon's Alley, a tribute to Vernon Alley. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote that. It might have been a J.J. Uh, Johnson tune. It featured both him on trombone and Leo Parker on baritone sax, with some fine piano by Hank Jones, too. Also, Al Lucas on bass and Shadow Wilson on drums. We're going to be finishing off this program with two more uh, tunes by uh, that particular group, and maybe we'll stick in another one, too, because that's such a good session. Um... As I said, Leo Parker was a pretty well-known baritone saxophone player. He was, uh, at the time, the first and, and the only African-American baritone sax player to be playing uh, bebop. As I said, Cecil Payne came a little bit later, but um, uh, Leo Parker was on a number of sessions, a Fats Navarro session, he was on uh, with Eddie Lockjaw Davis, quite a few, uh, quite a few others as, as, during that period of the 40s, and then he went on and did some rhythm and blues and some blue note sessions later on, but he was, uh, as with many of the players from that period, uh, really laid low by drugs and, and incarcerations and, and drug dependency and so forth, and so his career, unfortunately, uh, took a big hiatus, and he died fairly young because of his, his, uh, his habits and indiscretions, shall we say. We started out that uh, set with a tune called BJ, which I believe was a J.J. Johnson tune as well for Savoy in May of 1949. And uh, that featured, as I said, uh, Sonny Rollins again on tenor sax along with John Lewis on piano and J.J. Johnson. Gene Ramey and Shadow Wilson, and uh, I may have said that was an AABA tune, it was not, it was a blues, uh, and that finished off that particular session. Then we did two tunes from the first session that Johnson led, also for Savoy, but this time in 1946, June 26th, J.J. Johnson's Beboppers, and we heard Jaybird and Mad Bebop. Jaybird was an AABA tune based on I Got Rhythm. The introduction on there, played by uh, Bud Powell on piano, was interesting because it was taken from uh, the Fats Navarro tune, Nostalgia, which in turn was taken from uh, the tune Out of Nowhere. And uh, it, the introduction was actually part of the melody of the tune, that, or the introduction leading into the melody of the tune on the Fats Navarro recording. that We've actually played on this uh, show at least once. I believe we had uh, a show quite a while ago that was devoted to Fats Navarro. Then after that, we went to Mad Bebop, which was a tune that was based on the form and chord changes of the standard tune, Just You, Just Me, which the Beboppers liked because it was kind of a study and cycle of fifths chord progressions. And as I said, that featured J.J. Johnson on trombone, Cecil Payne playing a very fleet alto sax, uh, very much influenced by Charlie Parker, but tonally he sounded more like Benny Carter. He had a much rounder uh, sound than uh, Bird did at the time. Bud Powell on piano, Leonard Gaskin on bass, and Max Roach on drums. So we're going to uh, be finishing up this program with a couple, or maybe three tunes uh, from that session with Leo Parker. Uh, before that, I'll tell you, J.J. Johnson went on, of course, into the 1950s. He became very popular for his partnership with the white trombonist, Kai Winding. They had a two-trombone group uh, for several years. It made records for Columbia and I think Bethlehem and uh, later on, Impulse, and they got back together periodically over the years. But for a couple of years, they were one of the most popular jazz groups touring in the United States. Very interesting to think of two trombones in the front line, but they made some really outstanding records. 
After that, Johnson uh, did a lot of uh, jobbing around with different jazz groups. He did a lot of educational projects, and he became uh, noted as a composer and an arranger. He relocated to Hollywood, and he did quite a lot of work in um, television and in the movies as well. Um, he did that all through the 60s, 70s, even into the 80s. He returned to Indianapolis, where he was born. He taught for the University of Indiana uh, in the 80s, and... Uh, he unfortunately took his own life in 2001 in uh, well into his 70s. He was uh, given a, a pretty impossible diagnosis of cancer and he had other health problems as well. And unfortunately, he saw fit to end things at that point. But he was playing very well, really up until the last years of his life. He was making recordings and he was bringing along younger jazz players as well as continuing his arranging and composition uh, career as well. So really a, an underrated uh, composer in the jazz idiom. He uh, is rightfully considered one of the greatest jazz trombonists of all time, though. So I think we're going to uh, play three tunes coming up. These are from that session, as I mentioned, on December 24th of 1947 for Savoy, J.J. Johnson's Bop Quintet. So we heard Down Vernon's Alley, so I think we're going to hear three more uh, coming up. We're going to hear the other three on that session. Bonology, which is a J.J. Johnson piece, followed by the standard Yesterdays by Jerome Kernan Otto Harbach. And here we get to hear uh, Johnson's Way with a Ballad. We heard Don't Blame Me a little bit earlier, but um, Johnson really could play ballads like nobody's business. He was a, had a beautiful sound and a beautiful melodic, almost operatic conception in a way, but he always was a jazz player and definitely uh, was a bebop player. So he managed to wed all of those different influences in a really very compelling style, especially on ballads. And a sophisticated ballad like yesterday's was right up his uh, street in that case. He really um, felt the, uh, the sophistication of some of those advanced Tin Pan Alley tunes and the more interesting chord changes that they provided him. Then we're going to finish up with a good riff tune called Riffet, uh, which was by Johnson as well. So again, we're going to hear Leo Parker playing baritone sax, J.J. Johnson on trombone, Hank Jones on piano, Al Lucas on bass, and Shadow Wilson on drums. And of this group, other than Hank Jones, all of these musicians were actually at the time playing for Illinois Jaquette's band. And Jaquette had a, uh, a band of various sizes. He, of course, was the tenor sax player who was famous for the uh, solo on Flying Home by Lionel Hampton's orchestra. And he had a kind of a proto-bop group. He was more of a swing player, but he used a lot of younger bebop musicians and recorded extensively for Victor and some other companies. And uh, he toured with an eight, nine, or ten-piece group at various times. And all of these musicians, except for Hank Jones, were part of that group. So... Good integrated ensemble, partly from that. So, we want to thank you again for joining us here on the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. We are on WETF in South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station, and hope you're enjoying these little focused moments with jazz history. Again, we're going to finish up with J.J. Johnson's Bop Quintet, Bonology, Yesterdays, and Riff Et.
Thank you.